hello everyone. Firstly, I would like to thank uh, each and everyone for taking the time out from their busy schedule and joining today. It's a very special day because with us we have Mr. Prithpal Singh. Mr. Prithpal Singh is the director and head of business development at Equitas. So we thought of uh, you know inviting him and want to discuss, have a very meaningful conversation for next 30 uh, minutes. So my name is Vikas Agarwal. I'm the founder of AIF and PMS Experts India. And at AIF and PMS Experts India, we run this show called Ask the Expert, wherein we invite industry experts. We try and read their mind, understand and uh, understand about how do they run their strategy, and also try and read their mind and understand more about what would be the outlook of equity markets. So, Mr. Prithpal Singh is the director and head of uh, the business development at Equitas Investment Consultancy Firm. And basically, uh, it's a boutique uh, asset management company specializing in small cap uh, companies in the listed space. So, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, I'll take a minute uh, to quickly introduce Mr. Prithpal. So, he brings about almost 23 years of experience uh, in, in the sales and distribution uh, area. And he's kind of worked with large organizations like Berger, Castrol, Reliance, and BNP Paribas. In fact, before taking over as director and head of business development at Equitas, he was working with BNP Paribas. So, as far as organization is concerned, so at uh, Equitas, uh, you know, Equitas is a research-focused fund house invest in listed companies that have significant potential for long-term capital appreciation. Kind of multi-bagger approach, I would say. And over the last uh, nine years, they have they have sort of delivered. I mean, they bring a sort of track record on the table, which is about. 33% CAGR returns for investors. I repeat, it is 33%. So if your portfolio grows at 25% year on year, then 1 crore becomes 10 crores in 10th year and 10 crores becomes 100 crores in 20 year. And if your portfolio grows at 33%, then you can imagine the kind of wealth their investors would have created. So at Equitas, basically, uh, his onboarding is uh, on the company was done for two, three reasons. One is his basically aimed to create long-term wealth by working closely with his investors. And he, since he has made a uh, mark in the mutual fund industry, he's likely to make the similar marks in the PMS industry as well. So he's taken Equitas to the greater heights while keeping the ethos together. You know, so values and ethos of the organization needs to be maintained at any point of time. So he has amazing people skill and uh, we are kind of delighted to have him as our guest speaker for the webinar. So, so Equitas, uh, you know, takes pride itself on identifying fastest growing small cap companies which are capable of delivering multi-bagger returns and attributes its performance to discipline investing in and in-house research. So, basically, Equitas do not completely dependent on, depend on, on uh, third-party research. They have their in-house research uh, uh, setup already done under the ABLE guidance of Mr. Siddharth. And their clients have uh, have really created good amount of wealth over the past last, uh, nine years. So Mr. Prithpal says that Equitas is a strong company built on pillars of customer centricity, uh, intensive research, strong financials, and customer value creation, all of which are necessary to create a robust investment consultancy firm. So he always look forward to the opportunity to kind of catapult the Equitas to the new sphere of, of growth. So uh, we are delighted to have him on the show of Ask the Expert. So welcome on the show of Ask the Expert, uh, Prithpal. Yeah, so my first question to you, Prithpal, is what made you to join Equitas? 
Siddharth and I used to work together as far as uh, uh, as long back as 13 years when we were in Reliance together. And we did a couple of uh, PMSs together when I was heading banking and he was the one who was actually heading the show there. Uh, we, over the past 10 odd years, we kept on engaging with each other. And I kept on hearing his, you know, amazing number of, uh, you know, in terms of performance. Once I met him, he said, I'm cracking a 35%. Uh, CAGR. The second time round, I met him, he was cracking a 40% CAGR. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Here we have fund managers who are not being able to you know, deliver double digit returns. And here you are as a person who's actually doing 40%. I asked him, what the hell are you doing? And he says, uh, for that, you have to understand me better. <laughs> and, you know, we, we just let it be because, you know, we were actually uh, engaging with each other over a drink. But one fine day, uh, he gave me a call and said that, uh, I'm looking for a BD guy, right? I said, okay, uh, what kind of a person do you want? Right. And uh, he says, I want somebody like you. And I was like, to make you not Right. <laughs> so the thing was, you know, the, it was just a on the fly discussion, which was basically supposed to be one discussion, which was, you know, and then one thing led to the other uh, thing became more serious. And I really started, you know, figuring out what is it that I can do and uh, add value to the organization. Because the important thing is that he was he was doing a fantastic. I mean, a thirty three percent CAGR is like unheard of. In fact, before I actually you know coming on board, I actually did my own research, right? And the research was, uh, and this is a question that I'm going to ask. Uh, possibly I've asked you before in our uh, several engagement, but I still you know uh, put it across to you once again. The world knows Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett as two of the best investors, right? So what is the best stretch of returns that they've created for their clients that makes them the best yeah right. so, yeah so that's that's half of what you have delivered <laughs> right. so uh, not not really half but a shade lesser so the best uh, years of buffett was during his buffett partnership between 57 and 69 and what they did was at that particular sorry just let me just put them on silent Sure. What they delivered at that particular point for, uh, of time was 29.5% CAGR over the past 12 years. That's the best ever that Buffett has delivered. Peter Lynch, again, you know, who was the fund manager for Fidelity Meglin, he again had a 13-year stretch between 1977 and 1990, wherein he again delivered 29.5%. So I repeat, these are the two of the best guys globally, and they have not been able to beat the 30% mark over a stretch of more than 10 years, right? And whether it's, you know, Cathy uh, uh, Woods or Jim Simons or anybody in the entire spectrum that you would see even today, uh, none of them have actually been able to break the 30% CAGR over a 10 year period. And here we have Siddharth who's clocking in close to 33% over eight and a half odd years of our existence. Right. And this is something that is huge. This is something that has to be brought out to the family offices, to the ultra HNIs and, and the entire investment philosophy, which was so different. I mean, like if you were to look at any PMS, uh, the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is let us grow the volume of the business, right? Because size is might. That's what our business is all about. But in the PMS business, uh, it's not like that, right? It cannot be size is might. I mean, a uh, few things that, you know, Equitas has and rather Siddharth has actually turned on its head is, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, you've been an MF guy, I've been an MF guy, right? 
the first thing that we do is we have a good product we go to the channel and say okay start selling right we convince the uh, product guys the product guys then haggle about uh, the commercial uh, commercials and thereafter they put it in the factory and one by one every client is actually put forth and propose, given the proposal right but here what we said was that the interest of the distributor is very very different than the interest of the client the distributor's interest is to make the have an easy product for people to understand in his sales team so that they can reach out to the maximum number of people in the smallest amount of time and therefore garner the maximum amount of aem now because of this what happens is a lot of times the distribution would tend to focus on the easiest products to sell right sir isme icici hai isme tcs hai isme you know isme chemical if you were to look at something today isme chemicals hai iske andar speciality chemicals hai iske andar it hai right ye to chalega hi right so this becomes very easy for any large scale distributor to actually reach out to the maximum number of people so what siddharth did was rather than you know going out to distributors he said that if the client interest is the thing of paramount importance i have to reach out to the clients ourselves so what we did was uh, for the past eight and a half years we actually never had any bd team right it was only through referrals that we were uh, that we were able to grow our overall aem to close down 2000 crores right of which close down 1500 crores is in pms and close down 400 crores is in ai so that's that's what we did now the thing was that you know once we reached here we wanted obviously to go to the next level right so the next level was you know reaching out to the, all the entire family offices now there is something that i had never done before in my life i have always been a b2b guy right me going out to you know and reaching out to family offices was you know me trying to establish my credentials all over once all over again right so which is what uh, the exact thing what equitas wanted because they did not want someone to you know come from the industry who knows you know step 1 2 3 and close and then move on to the next client right the hand holding has to be done right so that was the second thing that we did as far as business process is concerned in fact at this particular point in time uh, let me take a pause and also tell you that while we have three products right our investment strategy across all three products remains the same so we have one platform in the pms wherein we start off with investments of 10 crores uh we have the same strategy which we are uh, you know uh, mapping up on the aif where we uh, start with 3 uh, 3 crores and i am very glad to share uh, that uh, in the next 15 odd days we are going to be launching the first india dedicated difc domiciled dollar denominated fund which is going to be investing in indian small caps right so that's and we have uh, simran who has been a part of my team way back in reliance a uh, long time back who's actually uh, on board and uh, and i also take the opportunity of welcoming all the investors and potential investors uh, from dubai uh, uh, to uh, have for having taken out time to uh, understand what equitas is all about yeah. so, uh, so we'll come to the product so uh, before that can we also uh, would you be able to throw some more lights on what's the investment philosophy you mentioned that is maintained across all sure. the three products yeah oh so so i think the most important thing that is there is that uh, in order to first of all we have clearly identified ourselves as a multi bagger uh, fund house right we are not in the business of trying to give you 10 15 17 18% kind of return profiles we are saying that boss we have to give you we, our entire portfolio is going to be that of a multi bagger now what is the multi bagger approach now i'll uh, to break it down i'll give you 
you know, three parts of the market. The first part of the market is market cap of 10,000 crores and above. Now there are close to 120, 130 odd stocks in this. Mota Mota, the large cap companies. Now you'll be surprised that each and every one of this company is tracked by nearly 45 analysts. So there is nothing that is there in the company that anybody doesn't know. Everybody knows everything. Right. So since everything is discovered, the possibility of you know trying to get into a multi-bagger is not there. And the evidence is over the past 10 years, if you were to actually look at the large cash space of 140 odd companies, I think there were only two companies. One was Bajaj Finance and uh, uh, another company, which was actually uh, a 20x, uh, a 20 bagger. No other, no other company over the past 20 years has been, uh, or rather 10 years has been able to deliver more than 20x kind of returns. Then the second thing, uh, let's move to the mid cap space. Now this is 10,000 to 5,000 crore market cap, or rather let's make it 2,500 crore market cap. On an average, every company here is tracked by close from 16 or 17 odd analysts. Right. Again, when you have 17 analysts who are tracking these companies, there's very little left to imagination. But the minute you move down to the 2,500 crore and below market cap, the number of analysts covering these stocks drops down to zero. And the reason why it drops down to zero is because every analyst is Mota Mota, a sell-side guy. The sell-side guy has to find, you know, companies large enough so that he can attract the attention of the fund manager. Because a fund manager who's managing, say, 50,000 crores of equity, he would definitely want to have at least 100 crores. Right? So this is something which is not possible in 2,500 crore market cap and below companies. Now, when I'm talking about these 2,500 crore and below market cap companies, uh, let me give you another number over the past 10 years. How many 100 baggers? I think there are 1,300 baggers that have come across in this segment over the past 10 years. Right, there are close to uh, 26, uh, 20 baggers that have come for the past uh, 10 years in this segment. And there are close to, I think, uh, 44 or 10 baggers that have come. So if you are looking at multi baggers, this is the space to get multi baggers from. And this is the space that we've been uh, focusing on. So now, with our intent and why exactly are we there in the small cap space, very clear. Let me move to the next step. If there are close to 4,500 stocks in this particular space, what is it that we do that our you know, set of eight people are able to focus on those 250 stocks for their fundamental research? So we make use of screeners, right? So the screeners that we have is uh, you know basic screeners like the uh, sales growth, PAT growth, EBITDA growth, uh, low debt, significantly high promoter uh, holding, right? So when we are looking at you know these basic screeners in place. We are able to whittle down this 4,500 companies to around 250. After this 250 companies are there, that's when you know our set of you know eight people who are there in the uh, eight analysts and Siddharth, right? That's when they start doing the fundamental research. Now, fundamental research starts off, you know, when we get into fundamental research, one thing is very clear: we are not looking at any third-party research, it is our own research. So we need to really go very, very deep down into every company's not only you know financial aspect but any lever that agar uska power ka input cost itna hai what exactly is the eps impact and 
and i'll be very honest with you i have seen the kind of you know deep dive that we do in companies there are certain companies who actually you know speak to us and say what exactly is the eps that you are getting at your end <laughs> and then they, they then they, that's when they discuss the eps so that's the kind of you know uh, confidence that you know we have in our own in house research right because it spreads over from you know uh, getting into the previous 12 quarter uh, transcripts uh, then it goes into you know much greater detail as to what exactly is the company doing corporate uh, announcements what is actually the impact of the corporate announcement is so every aspect of the company is taken care of and every evening we actually have those discussions wherein we try and figure out what is it that we are looking for another thing that we do is when we are looking at these 250 companies and then we whittle it down to 50 we are looking at few very very important traits the first trait that we are looking at is uh, the first misconception small cap is not equal to small business small i'll give you some very interesting examples right asian paints which is today's darling trading at close around i think 3 and a half odd lakh crores market cap or 2 and a half odd lakh crores market cap sorry right 10 years back take a wild guess what was it trading at right what was the market cap of uh, asian paints 10 years back it was 7000 crores 7500 odd crores right and interestingly i'll give you another example of small business versus a small company right hindustan lever which is one of the largest or rather which is the largest fmcg company in india by far has sales of 50000 crores right and a market cap of close to around 6 odd lakh crores right but at the same time if you were to look at you know uh, a few steel companies that we have in our portfolio they would have sales of close to around 150 odd lakh crores right 1.5 odd lakh crores sorry right so structurally what i'm trying to say is that small cap does not mean small business it's just that a sector is out of favor at this particular point in time if you were to look at you know the time periods between say 2007 to 2008 beginning where a lot of real estate and infrastructure companies were there at that particular point in time you had you had the giants of pharma today at trading at hardly 4 5 000 crores market cap so a one with with this you know uh, challenge out of the way wherein you know small cap is not equal to small business right let's move to the next step what is it that we are looking for in the next place uh we like companies which are either the sole providers or the margin leaders or the only listed company in that particular space now i'll tell you why exactly is it that we like uh, these kind of companies you know when we when we look at the small cap space there are several times that you see that there are 5 6 7 8 companies let's take the case of textiles as a sector that's a classic sector there are close to on 2 or 1000 companies which are listed in the textile sector now these 2000 odd companies when they are there uh, the minute they see that there is a margin expansion happening they start investing reinvesting in cap uh, capacity additions right now if there are one or two people right they are the ones who are going to be you know having the expanded market share with them but if there are 2000 odd companies of which 500 decide to do this capex what happens is you actually you know put in a lot of capital but your margin remains the same right so structurally this is something that we really want to avoid right so this is uh, one thing that we are looking at few other thing that we are looking at is let me just take out some notes these are very important so i thought that i'll take out some very interesting notes here oh sure yeah yeah second is what we are looking at is you know companies which actually have uh, low debt or net cash positive companies right so this is why this is something which is very basic and generic but i'll try and give you an explanation 
right? Uh, the best explanation is that companies, whenever there's a downturn, in the upswing, you have all stars, right? But whenever there's a downturn that happens in that particular sector, uh, that those all those stars whittle down, few of them, you know, die out like shooting stars, right? But a couple of them remain behind. The couple of them that remain behind are the ones which are the anti-fragile companies. Now, anti-fragile is somebody who actually takes advantage of the adversity. So they are the ones who are actually, you know, at that particular, when the sector is down, they are the ones who are actually adding capacities. They are the ones who are doing capex. So that once the boom comes in, they are able to take advantage. Classic case, Balkishan uh, tires. So if you have to look at the time period between 2015 and 18, when the tires segment was not doing, off-highway tire segment was not doing too well, they actually, you know, added a lot of capex. And people were wondering why the hell are they, you know, with such a stressed balance sheet, what are they going to do? The, you know, the the benefits are being reaped now where the, you know, the, the entire uh, BKT market cap has moved up by 5x over the past two, three years, right? So those are the kind of things that we're looking at. One very important thing, our entire business uh, piece is the operating cash flow. What we are looking at is see operating cash flow is, I think the single most, single biggest entry. As they say, you know, uh, market cap is vanity, <laughs> profits is sanity, but cash is king, <laughs> right? So cash flow is for us is very, very important. You can dress up any figure, in the PNL statement that you want, but you cannot dress up cash flow, right? So this is the single most important thing in which we, you know, spend a lot of time. Uh, another thing that we are looking at is uh, we we look at low or no institutional holding. This is again a part of our earlier discussion that I, uh, that we were doing. That if at all there is an institution, right? There is research. If there is research, then it means there is something is captured in the price. And what we want to do is we want to uh, get into a particular stock where there's hardly any institutional holding. The next thing that we're looking at is, you know, uh, and this is a classic thing that ha happened. Uh, we actually had a discussion with our, one of our clients wherein, you know, a uh, couple of days back wherein we were talking about, you know, one of the companies that we were invested in, right? So he uh, he actually looked at the screener and said, Ke boss, ye iske balance sheet dekho, iske kya hai? Kuch bhi nahi hai is company ke andar. Right. Why is it that you're invested in this company? So we actually said that, okay, the reason why we're invested in this particular company is because the past 10 years have been bad, right? But the next 10 years are going to be good because there's a survivor and there are several other matrices that are there. Obviously it will take a much longer period. So I'll not really get into this at this, at this particular point in time, but we showed him another, you know, we've been fortunate as an organization that within the first 10 years, we actually have had invested in our first hundred bagger. Our first 100 bagger was Avanti Feeds, which we invested in 2013, when the entire market cap was 90 crores. And when we exited, the market cap was 130, uh, sorry, 13,000 crores. Right. So, and the, the the thing which is important in this particular space is because logo ki zindiya guzar jati hai. Unko 100 bagger nahi milta. <laughs> right. So that is what is the importance of a 100 bagger. Right. So then we showed him the you know, the previous 10 years of 2003 to 2013 balance sheet of Avanti feeds, <laughs> right? <laughs> so then he understood that, okay, when you're looking at a multi-bagger, the last thing that you have to do is look at the screener and say, okay, boss, okay, I see that operating cash flow is increasing. I see that CapEx has happened. I see that debt has going down. When all of these things are there, then the profit everything starts reflecting the profits and when it starts reflecting the profit growth 
then the p is higher then you not then you will get a 15% kind of a cagr then you will not get a multi bagger right uh, uh next thing that we are looking at is with, uh, what we are looking at is governance standards i think uh, governance standards is very very important uh, especially when you are in the small cap space right while uh, you know there are some accidents that have happened but there are some you know uh, promoters who are uh, let's say you know uh, avoidable right so uh, what we do is we have certain screeners uh, for there as well as to what is exactly that we are looking for uh one very interesting thing that has come about is that you know one of the companies that we have in our portfolio uh the promoter was getting close to say 50 60 odd crores of annual salary right so it actually was you know flagged off once that why exactly uh, do you think this is fine the company is putting a turnover of close to say 5 odd 1000 crores the promoter is getting 60 crores right and uh, obviously the salary was basically a function of both profit sharing as well as the actual salary so we actually said that you know when you have a promoter who's actually doing this it actually gives a very very significant sign that you know he is not siphoning of money whatever he is doing is it's clean right the second uh, thing that we are looking at is there should be significant amount of cash in the balance sheet whenever there's cash in the that balance sheet that cannot be sorry to interrupt so that cannot be considered as red flag rather it is good that he is yes. everything on exactly. exactly 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 it's not a red flag it's actually something which is actually brings about the promoter in much cleaner light right the second thing that we look at is you know there should be significant amount of cash in the balance sheet the third thing is that you know uh, whenever we look at you know we look at uh, promoters whether they have some some company in the unlisted space which is in the allied business right uh, there could be like for example uh, just to give an example there could be a company which is say manufacturing and listed but the sales and distribution is unlisted right so the manufacturer sells to the unlisted company and the unlisted company that's where the profit accretion happens right so these are things that we you know really are very very cognizant of and want to you know steer clear away from uh last but not the least is uh, consistent uh, consistent dividends and uh, capital allocation so if a company this is something that is you know uh, very very sacrosanct for us if there is a company which is consistently giving out dividends right it's having a uh, the minority interest also taken care of and b it also gives a very very clear uh, you know division of where exactly is the retained earn going is it going as part of it uh, into the balance sheet for capex is it going to the share back to the shareholders or is it you know uh, is it being a part of the retained earnings right so all of these three and last but not the least is uh, capital allocation which is something which is very important we've all seen that you know people have gone wrong in capital allocation the largest of the companies today like itc has been is being accused of you know uh, capital misallocation right uh, so structurally we are very very you know uh, clear that if at all capital allocation has to happen it should be value accretive in nature uh so this is this is what is the set of things that we look at when we are doing our research now when we are looking at these companies there obviously has to be a catalyst why exactly should we enter into a particular company now right and this is this is true for all small caps as well not only our fund but you know when you are getting into the small cap space if you are seeing that you know a stock is down and out a sector is out of favor what exactly is it that you should be looking for before you start getting into that particular you know uh, company so few things that we are looking at is that one is there is a change in product mix that is happening now all companies would have you know various products some would have lesser margin some would have higher margin if there there is a skew towards you know a change of product mix wherein you know lesser margin which was say 40 50% of the turnover 
comes down to say a 30% and the higher margin goes to 70%. That means that there is a significant change that the management is trying to consciously bring about in order to increase the profitability of the organization, right? Uh, cost reduction. Now, if there is a company, let's take, you know, I'll give a very classic example. Uh, let's take a, a company in the say steel sector. Now, if it is not vertically integrated, if it doesn't have iron ore, if it doesn't have coal linkages, right? If it is dependent on merchant produce, uh, merchant buying of both of these two products, right? They are dependent on the vagaries of the spot market or the long-term contract they have, whatever they have, right? But on the other hand, if they have taken the advantage of the downturn and gotten hold of an iron ore or a coal mine, right? And vertically integrated themselves. They've insulated themselves, right? From the vagaries. In fact, then whenever they have a challenge, right? Uh, in terms of uh, the raw material price increasing, they become anti-fragile, right? They are, they are able to actually make more money when there's volatility in the input costs rather than the other way around, right? And uh, uh, last but not the least is margin expansion. Right. So margin expansion happens because of two things. Uh, one is because of the uh, resilience of the of the brand that is there. And second is the cost price, the input cost once they start going down. And uh, consequently, you actually have a margin expansion. So these are the few catalysts. I mean, uh, to give you some more color, I'll give you the example of Avanti. Right. Avanti was a normal, you know, shrimp feed manufacturer. Right. They, they started coming out with, you know, something. So the government came out with a... Uh, uh, a push for pushing shrimp feed, right? So there's a Benumani kind of a uh, prawn, which, which requires a different kind of an algae, right? The algae requires uh, one-fourth the amount of oxygen and prawns tend to eat algae, one-fourth the amount of oxygen. Uh, and uh, the promoter came and said that, okay, I am expanding big way in a very, very big way, right? I believe that we should be looking at a turnover increase of close to 50% over the next four quarters. He repeated this over the next at least three quarters. Interestingly, nobody heard him. The reason why nobody heard him was he was a 90 crore market cap person. Right. So, but but when he started posting the numbers that he was talking about, right, suddenly we had a situation wherein, you know, Avanti was, you know, on, on top of everyone's lips. And in fact, the best part is, you know, uh, uh, when when the entire mutual fund fraternity started talking about Hamarpa Savanti, Hamarpa Savanti, Avanti was close to around a 10,000 crore market cap company. It hit a peak of 13,000. And that was the time that, you know, our team here in Equitas was actually, you know, busy trying to sell off Avanti. Right. So these are the few things that, uh, that we do. Yeah. So I think the advantage of the platform is also uh, to large extent that some of these mutual fund companies, even if they wish to, they cannot afford to enter into that company because yes. of couple of parameters. One of the parameters could be that it, it has a low liquidity. You know, so liquidity could be one of the parameters and their compliance department may not allow them because if tomorrow the, the, any redemption comes, they have to meet with the requirement of the redemption and sell those stocks. And that is where the advantage of, you know, a small size, uh, what you talked about, really uh, come into a play where you can actually identify them at an early stage of their growth curve and right through the entire growth journey. Correct. So, so uh, very well, I think, uh, very well explained. So, uh, now, uh, Prithpal, going to now your products. So, there are three products that you talked about. So, so what is the what is the reason that the minimum threshold that you kept is as 10 crores vis-a-vis -vis the regulator, which says that the minimum threshold is 50 lakhs, number one. And also, if you could throw some more lights on your upcoming uh, uh, 
uh, uh, AIF where you and what would be the minimum threshold there? Sure. So, uh, Vikas, uh, let me be very blunt here, right? Uh, somehow, uh, we believe that, you know, a lot of people have abused the PMS segment, right? Uh, the reason why PMS segment, I say that PMS segment has been abused is that if you come out with a model portfolio, right? Uh, unfortunately, what you're doing is you're running with a mutual fund in the garb of a PMS, right? So when you're, when you're, when you're, you know, running with a mutual fund in the garb of a PMS, what you're doing is you're doing the same things that are done in a mutual fund, but you're just putting it a color of a PMS, right? So this is what is our belief, right? Because a PMS to our mind has to be a bespoke portfolio. It has to be a portfolio that is created for a particular investor at a particular time, wherein when we think that at this particular point in time, this is what is right for the investor, you are able to bring that. So, you know, uh, when we are wanting to do bespoke portfolios, we do not have the ability to manage more than say 200, 250 odd portfolios, any house for that matter, right? So what we've tried to do is in order to have the right ethos that we should not see our, our first, you know, uh, uh, our first loyalty lies towards the investors, right? And if we are saying something to the investors, we better stick our neck out and say, okay, boss, this is what we are saying and this is what it has to be, right? So from that perspective, we are very clear that though PMS in a bespoke model, so which is why I said that let's keep the threshold high enough so that we only have serious players. And the best part is, you know what? It has actually worked in our favor. I'll give you some very interesting statistics, right? So we currently have close to 75 odd clients in our PMS, right? The average ticket size that we have is roughly around 17, 18 odd crores across these clients, right? Now, the reason why uh, it's actually been like this is because typically what happens is, you know, both of us have been in sales, right? And if the minute you say that my portfolio has a 50 lakh threshold, whether the client is a 100 crore guy or a 500 crore guy or a 1000 crore guy, <laughs> he will give you a check of 50 lakh rupees, right? And I've seen this, you know, whatever is the minimum threshold, usi ka hi check aata hai. Uske baad client waits for the market to, you know, run up, get more confidence. That's when he starts adding, right? So which is why we said that if 250 is our upper limit, at least at this particular point in time with the kind of current infrastructure that we have, we need to ensure that we take only, you know, some very serious players, right? So that is the reason for uh, that 10 crore mark. Right. Uh, the second question is, uh, so what do we do for people who are serious and wanting to invest, but do not have 10 crores? Like people like me, right? People like ourselves, right? Both of us, right? If we do not have 10 crores, I mean, I can't say about you, but I can share, surely say about myself that I don't have 10 crores to invest, right? You may have it, <laughs> right? So, uh, but so for people like me, what we've done is we've created an AIF. This strategy remains the same but it is a fund which has a threshold of three crore rupees right so uh, that's the second part now this third part is for our especially for our nris right and we believe that you know nr uh, uh, non residents indians are a significantly large portion of the ultra hni segment that we have right uh, what we have done is we have created a feeder fund out of uh, rather an aif which will directly invest into indian small caps same strategy based out of dubai Right, DIFC to be specific. Now, the importance of DIFC is that a it's a tax-free zone, right? So, from a 
you know, from an NRI, FPI perspective, it actually is a cheaper uh, proposition for them. But the bigger thing is that no longer do you have that hassle of, you know, ek ko PIS account kholna hai, either se udar sub PIS karna hai, either se udar ye regulation mein jana hai, NRE se paisa dena hai, NRO se paisa dena hai, ye karna hai. All those hassles are actually taken away in one stroke, wherein you just put the money from the, your dollar account or your international currency account into our account in, in the IFC. We are the ones who convert into INR and put it across uh, into the Indian markets using the same strategy as we've been using in the PMS and DIF. And you can take the money back whenever you want. Right? Of course, the mandatory lock-in of that, uh, you know, uh, AIF uh, would continue. So from a structural perspective, it's way simpler, way easier. And we believe that uh, on a cost front basis, I think when we were doing the calculation, it's close from 20% cheaper for uh, clients, for NRI clients. Uh, and from a hassle uh, perspective, I think it's uh, at least uh, 15 to 20 hours per quarter <laughs> that is saved. Yeah, yeah, you ask us this question. So, you know, <laughs> it takes you every time you set up on NRI, NRE or NRO account, you need a drink to chair so on. So, <laughs> so it takes a good 45 working days, you know. There so, you go. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, so then the NRIs have an option of investing in dollar term as well, right? In this fund. Correct. Correct. Yes. So any currency, I mean, whether it's dollars, euros, yens. So that's the beauty about having a dollar denominated fund. Yeah. Right? And and I missed talking about the threshold. The threshold is $1 million there. $1 million. Okay. $1 million. So we've kept it very low. It's in fact lower than the PMS that we have domestically. The idea of that was that, you know, instead of having a 1.5 kind of a million dollars, it makes you know, a nice round figure of $1 million makes much better sense. Sure, sure. So now we come to the last end of the curve in terms of our session. And before we conclude the session, that's very important question that I have is on behalf of our investors. You know, you as an organization have seen nine and a half good long run where you had good phase, bad phase, and you've also seen 2018, 19, and 20. Yes. Where the benchmark I remember from 2017 top to 2020 during the COVID time has become 100 rupees became 37.5 rupees. I, I exactly remember that. And obviously when you are running a small cap fund, it has to go through its own time. So from our investor perspective, while they look at these numbers, it sounds very good for them and they really want to participate and they make a commitment of long term. But when it comes to having dealing with drawdown, that is where most of the investors are little scared or fearful. How to ride through this journey is what the question is. Over to you. I think it's a very, very important question from all our investors' perspectives. So uh, first things first. Uh, yes, uh, you know, we also felt the pangs of uh, 2018 drawdown, right? But the most important thing, what let me put across, what is it that we do? in order to try and mitigate that to its best, right? The first thing is you have to buy cheap, right? If you're buying stocks at three, four, five PE, and I'll repeat three, four, five PE, right? This is a number that, you know, a lot of investors haven't really even heard of, right? Because all they've been seeing over the past five, six years is, you know, 20 P, 30 P, 40 P, 70 P, 80 P, 100 P, right? We buy stocks at three, four, five, six PE. Right. So that's the first thing you enter cheap, right? The most important thing is 
to try and get into the market not get swayed by you know any hot sector or an ipo or anything right but stick to your niti right so you enter cheap that's the first important thing the second thing is that there are three large risks that we actually have the first one that i was talking about is a valuation risk right which is very very entering at very high pe's the second one is the margin risk the margin risk essentially means that if you were to look at the rear view mirror and see that the ebitda margin is at its peak and the pe is also at its peak right it has to come down <laughs> right so whatever goes up the newton's law of gravity has to you know come into the play it has to come off right it has to come back to its long term average right you have to get into a particular stock when the margins are below the long term average right that's the second thing that we do and the third thing that we do is which is the balance sheet risk right we are very cognizant of balance sheet risks if there is a company which is over leveraged if there is a company which is not able to you know uh, you know take care of its expansion programs or running programs through its own internal accretion of funds we steer clear of that company so these are the three large things that we try to do in order to mitigate those challenges that one sees in a drawdown right but drawdowns are drawdowns right they do happen they are a reality of the market so what we are always of the opinion is that you have to see at least a one five year cycle right unless until you see that one year cycle five year cycle or uske kahin na kahin koi na koi drawdown to aayega hi aayega right but it as 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 it is said that you know the pot of gold is there right we have exhibited that the pot of gold is there we have seen it that small caps have that ability to give that pot of gold but there is a river that has to be crossed right every investor will have to cross that river and at that particular point in time one has to be patient hand hold him right and give him confidence that yes it is okay right and trust me uh, we we often come out with uh, a metric called value at risk a value at risk basically means that if you invested at any given point in time right how much time should you remain invested before the value at risk becomes zero that means Uh, आपने चाहे पीक में इन्वेस्ट किया हो 2017, राइट right? चाहे आपने ट्रफ में इन्वेस्ट किया हो ऑफ 2018, राइट इफ एट ऑल एट एनी पॉइंट इन टाइम इफ यू इन्वेस्टेड दैट मनी दैट इन दैट हंड्रेड रुपीज शुड रिमेन हंड्रेड रुपीज इट शुड नॉट फॉर बिलोंग हंड्रेड रुपीज राइट सो द वैल्यू एट रिस्क एट सेवन इयर्स राइट फॉर अ फंड इज एक्चुअली जीरो देर इज नो वैल्यू एट रिस्क राइट सो इफ यू स्पेंड इफ यू गिवन मी मनी एट एनी इवन पॉइंट इन टाइम right it doesn't matter you spent 7 years right it cannot be zero right that is one right if however you kept on giving money when we asked for money right your money is you know compounded at a much better number than uh, you know uh, 30 or percent right the third thing is uh, that uh, structurally when when we are talking about these kind of 7 year kind of numbers this is for the industry not for our fund because our fund itself you know is only a 8 and 1/2 year fund so you cannot take the value uh, vr at 7 years right you have to have a longer history right and the longer history for uh, you know we've taken it for the small cap benchmark but when we look at the kind of alpha generation that we've done right uh, i was actually the first time around you know one of the things that actually uh, really stuck with me was the graph differentials between the small cap <laughs> growth versus our growth right so while the small cap uh, went down by close to on 66 odd percent right our drawdowns were actually slightly lesser we we actually you know fell by close to on 50 odd percent right but the bounce back was equally sharp right in fact we uh, 
while the uh, small cap from the troughs it went up by close to i think 160 or percent we are already up nearly 200 or percent since then right so the the kind of stock selection that we do the kind of you know filters that we put in the kind of checks that balances that we put in right are basically there to take away the risk from the portfolio right the so the risk is not that of losing money your capital the risk is you have to spend that time right and once you spend that time you are able to cross that you know as as you 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 put it across very well in your uh, words that wo maut ka kuwa cross karna padega hum maut ka kuwa nahi kehte hum kehte hai ki there is a river that has to be crossed <laughs> right but the pot of gold is there yeah so what i say essentially is that as an investor what needs to understand is when you are investing in small cap you have to be mentally prepared that you will have a drawdown now risk comes from anywhere nobody ever thought covid 19 will come and 140 crores of people will be locked down in india i mean nobody ever thought so risk comes from anywhere if tomorrow there will be a, a geopolitical situation or there will be a war between these countries you know india pakistan and anything can happen you never know about it any natural calamity can really affect your performance of the market market reacts to the situation mm. but if you will have to understand as an investor that if you are investing in mid and small cap companies and if if they are supposed to be slightly more volatile than so called large cap companies then you have to be mentally prepared that you will at least be with the fund manager for minimum 5 years give enough uh, time sufficient time so one is that what you do as a as an asset management company the other thing is what we do as an investor now if we both don't do our own uh, homework then the alignment will not happen and that's where the divorce takes place and the marriage gets broken up you know so so you have to have both the parties working together and there should be an alignment you know right. that's why we play an important role you know as an advisor that we we kind of align the interest of both the parties together and handhold so that so that you know uh, investors when when the hundred becomes 37.5 rupees he is not going to listen to anyone he says that mera it's a bad decision that i've taken in my life and let me take my money out whatever little that i can and i've seen that happening couple of times in my career so it's very very important so anybody who says that i want to invest in small cap i say that you revisit your thoughts let's discuss tomorrow morning you know so in enough fact, time to be given in fact in fact there's just one point that i wanted to add uh there's a difference between risk and volatility right risk basically is when the underlying is very very weak and you've invested at a significantly high level volatility is that you the inherent value is there right because of certain market situations whether sentiments or liquidity or macroeconomic conditions temporarily the the price has fallen below but because the fundamentals are strong the inherent underlying is strong it is bound back and uh, rather you know there is one more thing uh, that actually elucidates like for example arcom was a risk it was a large cap suzlon large cap was a risk jayprakash large cap was a risk right but on the other hand there were so many other smaller companies which actually went down like you said that you know they went down 37% right but that was actually volatility right because the underlying was much stronger and which is why you know they kind of bounced back yeah it's very rightly said so very important that you need to look at underlying and then go about doing it so thank you so much uh, prithpal it was a pleasure speaking with you uh, 
we got a lot of insights about you your organization khan so thank you so much for taking the time out from your busy schedule and, and speaking with all of us likewise vishal vikas uh, thank you very much for uh, you know according us this opportunity to you know uh, really showcase ourselves to your investors and uh, all the other participants who come from across the globe to listen to uh, this particular uh, zoom call thank you very much and uh, and look forward to a very very exciting 2022 Absolutely. Thank you. So, thank you, everyone, for joining in today. In case you have any query, please write to me at vikas at aipms dot com. I'll see to it that I'll coordinate with Prithvi and get your questions answered. Thank you. Lovely. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.